Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. So, Julie, welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm I'm excited too. What would you like a reading about today? So the question that I submitted that you selected, well, I had submitted a lot of questions. I don't oh. know if you remember. Pretty much every week I was writing a question. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank I'm you. I'm very desperate for a lot of guidance. But Shit. the question okay. that got ended up getting submitted was the last one I did because I was doing the dishes and I had a realization that I was like, wow, I am asking Jessica all of these personal questions about my life and I would trust her. If she told me to do anything, I would just do it because she seems so confident and she knows what she's talking about. And then I was like, why don't I have that with myself? Because ultimately you're a stranger and you don't know me. And that's a lot of power to give someone who doesn't know me. Um, And I feel like I don't know. And this is something that I've kind of struggled with most of my adult life of feeling in grounded in myself and able to access my own intuition to make decisions because I feel extra swirly about so many things in my life right now and I don't know like what to do and I don't know how to know what to do yeah. so guidance on how to get in touch with that part of myself so that I can just answer my own questions and I don't need to feel like I could give my power away to all these other people to be like you tell me what to do you tell me what to do that's such a good question okay so I have follow-up questions to your question okay and also I didn't realize that you emailed me a million times because I don't pay attention to names unless I'm choosing a question. So everyone should feel free to email me as much as you like, because I'm never going to be like, well, that person's emailing a lot. I won't think that. Um, So, okay, my question for you is, do you know, and this isn't a trick question, do you know why you trust me? I think I respect you a lot. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. And I listen to your podcast and the way that you speak about things. There is a conviction of like, mm-hmm. I, I know this to be true. I know like you seem really grounded in like what you believe. And 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 I think that is a is a piece because there's other people that I tend to trust as well. And they have that similar like I look at them and I'm like, wow, they seem to have something figured out that I don't have figured out. And so if I do what they tell me to do then I'll have it figured out too. Interesting. Okay, that's not the answer I thought you'd give me. Okay. Interesting. Okay, so what you're saying is that what has earned your trust is the conviction with which I speak as opposed to per se the things I've said. Well, probably that too, but yeah, it's like the- It's the conviction. It's the conviction. And then I also respect what you're saying. Like I agree with, you know, what you're saying is like in alignment with a lot of things that I also- feel and so it's easy for me to be like wow she's so cool I want to do whatever she tells me to do so I can have shit figured out and be cool too <laughs> okay okay and then I have another follow-up question which is you mentioned that you feel this way towards other people do they tend to be older than you or do they sometimes are they sometimes really uh, convicted people your age it's of my age I have a cousin um who I'm fairly close with and I feel that way about her and she's like a couple years younger than me okay so um, it's really about the conviction yeah. And just I think people that I I really admire the way that I perceive them to be living their life. And like, obviously, everyone is a human and has their own shit going on. And I'm aware of that as well. So that's another piece of it that I'm like, man, I know that these I perceive these people in this way. But I also know they got their own like they don't feel that way about themselves. They got their own shit going on. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. But even knowing that, I still just feel like, wow, I would just 
if Jessica told me to do like, I mean, obviously if you told me to go murder someone, like I wouldn't do that. But Thank like, you. Thank you for that. You know, yes. if you gave me an, an insight of like, you should do this practice, you should do this. I'd be like, okay, yes, you should do this as a career. I'd be like, she knows I'm going to do that because she knows. And I don't give that to myself. I don't have that same level of, oh, I feel like I should do this thing. So I'm going to just trust that I know that that's good for me. And I'm going to do it with the same level of like force that I would if someone else told me to do it. Yeah. Okay. I got lots of stuff to say. And and I'll just throw into the mix. You were born July 20th, 1992, 6.38 a.m. in Columbus, Wisconsin. I want to first share something astrological that's about my chart and not your chart. Because the cool thing about astrology is it's it's like the math of us, right? I personally have an aspect in my birth chart called Pluto trying to Mercury. And one of the like textbook definitions of this natal aspect is that when you have this aspect, you speak with conviction and you're very convincing. So you can convince a room full of people that a skunk smells like a rose. That's like a textbook definition in my mind of this aspect. And so I want to just start with trusting someone because of their convictions. And I know you said there's two pieces here. But trusting somebody because they speak with passion, conviction, and that they just are like compelling in the way they speak is dangerous because that's not the only thing about me, obviously. And I try to live in integrity and all this kind of stuff. And it's literally an advice podcast. So, yes. But also, it's important to know that when we are hearing somebody, especially somebody who is presenting ideas. So they're like not in their emotions and their vulnerability, but they're just presenting their ideas about the world or about things. You're really hearing their Mercury. Sometimes it's their Saturn, you know, it could be their Mars, but you're you're hearing these specific parts of their chart. And what is important to know is that there are many people who have this natal aspect that I just shared with you that I have that do not have integrity at all, but they may sound like it. And you know, because you're an adult on the internet, that there's tons of people who have like huge followings and huge influence and they don't necessarily have integrity, right? right like right. that's a that's a thing. And so I wanted to share this with you because what you have in your chart is a Mercury opposition to Saturn. And this is a very different aspect to uh, Mercury trying to Pluto. And trust me, I, mean, I doubt myself all the time. I'm neurotic. And also, I'm probably old enough to be your parent. But all of that, and I think that that's relevant for like conviction and wisdom and all these kinds of things. Yeah. But all of that said, the Mercury-Saturn opposition in your birth chart predisposes you to seeking absolute truths. Like, I want to know the answer because the answer is the answer and I'll do the thing because the thing will work. Like that kind of thinking that you've already articulated. But it also, because it makes you convicted that there's like a right and a wrong, it can create a great deal of insecurity because you're constantly editing your own thoughts. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So what's happening is you're coming up with ideas, you're evaluating options for whatever the hell it is that's going on in your life. And you're editing as you go. So you don't fully unpack your own ideas because you're trying to cut them back and refine them before they've flushed out. And then you can hear someone like me who, you know, to be fair, this is an edited podcast. I mean, I'm, I'm good off the cuff too. But, you know, again, <laughs> I don't want to be like, you shouldn't listen to me or you shouldn't have trust in me because hopefully I've cultivated trust over the course of time. But I do also want to encourage 
critical thinking all the time because what is happening is you're you're hearing something that is put together and organized and that has been developed over many many years and then you're comparing it to your initial thought process and that's like an impossible situation for you like you're you're setting yourself up does this make sense yeah yeah i'm tracking okay good that's what i like to hear now the other thing is that your saturn mercury opposition forms a t squared of pluto and you've pluto at the bottom of your chart okay and that makes it so that you are man what you're such a jerk to yourself i mean you don't seem like you seem very nice but (laughs) when i look at your chart i'm like you are so mean to yourself yeah most people when they meet me or they like if they're not super close with me when they get to a level where i open up about how insecure i am or like the inner voices in my head they're always like whoa what like really yeah i'm like yeah there's like a constant stream going on in there it's a constant stream of you're not perfect that means you're terrible i can't believe you said that i can't believe you think that that's a bad plan it's like you tear yourself down partially out of habit Mm -hmm. it is a habit Mm -hmm. which luckily habits can be broken and we can build new habits but you're doing it because you're trying to reach some sense of perfection some simple clear this is a yes do this right? Mm -hmm. And this is the danger with astrology and many forms of woo is that, you know, you talk to a psychic and the psychic is like, just do this. And you're like, oh, fuck, I did the thing. And then it was worked. And it just seems like a simple answer. But at the end of the day, when it comes to actually healing, instead of just scratching an itch, what we need to be able to do is be in the process. And for you, I can give you an answer. Like if I'd picked one of your other questions, I could have helped you with the question. We could have, you know, come to the answer and you'd still have this problem with Mm -hmm. yourself because Mm -hmm. it's a problem in, it's not just a problem in your thinking. It's a problem with your ideas about surviving yourself or surviving the world. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever Pluto's involved, and Pluto is very fucking involved in your birth chart, um, you know, it's not just the focal planet. Yeah, seriously. It's not just the focal planet of a T-square. It's also opposite to your Mars. You can feel like everything is a life or death situation. You can feel like everything is so important. And if you fail, it will define your whole life. Definitely in certain situations, for sure. Are there situations where it doesn't come up? Um. I mean, the main one that came to mind when you said it was just like different jobs that I've had and just feeling like, oh, this is going to be my life. This is it for the rest of my life. This is what I have to do. This stupid job that I hate. And like, I guess I'm just going to do this forever and be miserable. And it's like very like there's no way out of this like mm. feeling. Yeah. This and it trapped, makes it really, really. Trapped. Yeah. It makes it really hard. So, OK, there's a lot of levels that were there's like a lot of levels of what is kind of at core here. But I want to stick with your your question because it's such a good one which is how can you trust yourself and not only do you have this mercury saturn opposition but you've got venus and chiron conjunct your ascendant in leo and so you can get really distracted by the way things look by the appearances of things and so if somebody presents well you're more inclined to listen. We've already established that. But yeah. that, that is part of why that is. Part of it is because you want a simple, correct answer and people who seem to present a simple, correct answer, um, you're down for it. And when I say simple, I don't mean like you're not willing to do 7 million steps because it looks like you are. But somebody who's like, I am certain, I have this simple clarity, this just like 
like an anvil. You you love an anvil because you got that Saturn, right? Mm -hmm. So one thing that's really important that I want to say is that being aware that you are a little vulnerable to appearances, to how things mm -hmm. seem is really valuable for you. Not so that you then like are constantly being like, am I wrong? Am I wrong for trusting this person? Because I don't want to give you a new thing to be freaked out by, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I feel like could happen. But yeah. But instead to be able to be like, oh, this person seems a particular way to me. What what evidence is there? Like, why does this person seem this way to me? Just being able to kind of like have that critical thought that is your nature, apply it to what you see on others, because what happens when we place other people on pedestals is a lot of things. But to keep it focused on this specific topic is it puts you in this position where you're catching up instead mm. of you're open, present and like ready to figure things out for yourself, whether mm. that means trust the person, find your own way, whatever it is. So hold on for just one moment here. Say your full name out loud. My full name is Julie. Are you missing a name? No. What's your mom's maiden last name? There she is. So is your mom like this as well? Like this being... Have a hard time trusting herself? I don't think so. Not that she's ever expressed to me. Would she express something like that to you? I think so. And I could see maybe at this point in her life she doesn't seem to. But I could imagine early, younger versions of herself. When you were little. Yeah. Being mm -hmm. a little more like subservient and like traditional and kind of like letting other people dictate her life for her. And Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. So, so that was happening when you, when you were growing up. I think a little bit. Before I was born, they were both, both my parents were raised in like really heavy Mormon households. So there was like mm. a lot of like religious pressures and like expectations and when I was born, they had left the Mormon church, but they still held on to like a lot of the beliefs from that. And so I definitely think there was a she she made herself small a lot, mm -hmm. as a lot of women do. In that. Yeah, you have the sun and Venus in the 12th. So that tracks for okay. for this in your birth chart. But ah, when you make decisions or set plans for yourself, do you follow through? No. Yeah, probably most of the time. No, I mean, I could maybe there's like sometimes maybe, but but probably broadly speaking, time, no, probably mm -hmm. not. So this is the thing about trust. There's a couple of reasons why we tend to give people trust. One is we put them on a pedestal. We have a fantasy about them. You know, we decide we're going to trust them for no real reason, you know, and I think we all do that at various times in our lives in various ways. But another and the kind of ideal way to trust people or reason to trust people is that they earn our trust. They say, hey, I'm going to pick you up after you hang out with your friends at 2 p.m. And then they're there at 2 every time. When somebody's actions are consistently honoring their word, you trust them. It's hard not to, right? Right. And what I'm seeing is that you are not a trustworthy friend to you. My guess is you're a trustworthy friend to your actual, like to your friends outside of you. Mm -hmm. um, you're consistent. You show up. If you say you're going to do a thing, you do a thing. And if you can't, you own it. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah. But in your relationship with yourself, it's radically different. Yeah. And so on a meaningful level, you don't trust you because you have given you a lot of reason to not trust you. Yeah. Okay. And- when you think of the other people that you trust, do they tend to be like follow through people? Yeah, I think so. 
Mm -hmm. Does your cousin follow through? I'm only naming her because it's the one person you named. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that she does. Just follow through person. And do you know why you don't follow through? Do you have like a theory? I feel like what happened, which maybe is this whole Pluto situation is at play here of like, for example, be like, okay, I feel like I need to not eat dairy because it makes me feel bad and it makes me break out or what, you know. That's a real example because dairy is terrible for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so then I'll go like a week not eating dairy and like, I don't notice any like crazy improvements because it's like a slow, you know, you have to do it for a while. I'll kind of know that, but then I'll be like, ah is this really doing anything? Like, I don't know. Like, I just start to like doubt. I can trust that this is going to lead me somewhere good. And if I start to have a little bit of doubt of like, ah, maybe this isn't going to do it. I don't, ah, this is stupid. I should just eat this pizza. Like, whatever. Like, I don't even know if this is going to do anything. I'll probably still break out. Like, and then it just kind of all falls apart. Right. At that that point. That that makes sense. And it's like back to this, like Saturn Mercury opposition issue where you're like editing your idea as your ideas playing out. I do think this is a bit of an age thing. You know, <laughs> you're immediately post Saturn return. Like you just had your Saturn return like mm-hmm. last year. Was it last year or the year before? Yeah, last, last year. year. Between now and your 33rd year. So between now and when you are 33. Okay. Um, is the time to be working on this, on integrating the lessons of your Saturn return. And I think it's really hard to follow through. I mean, some people are great at follow through in their 20s, but I think for most people, we all have a way that we are really not great at following through with what we plan for ourselves because your 20s are about getting to know yourself. It's hard to trust yourself when you don't know yourself, right? So I want to I want to just like kind of like take some pressure off of yourself um, in that regard. On a more practical level, I'll say this. Okay, you decide and listen, you got Neptune, in the sixth house, dairy is not your amigo at all. Like, okay. you cannot eat dairy. I agree with you completely. It just, it's, it does lots of weird, random things. And the reason why I say random is because Uranus is conjunct Neptune in your birth chart, which means not only is dairy like, it's like, it does like weird stuff to your body. It does, you don't digest it well, but because Uranus is there, it changes all the time. So it's not always that your skin breaks out. It's sometimes that your skin breaks out. Sometimes you get congested, like it moves all over the place. Is that right? Yeah. And then, so that's why then I'm like, oh, well, this is a, fixing the thing I thought it was going to fix. So I must just be fine to eat it. So I'll just keep eating, you know. Right, right. (laughs) And then you never actually get to know what your life would be like without the dairy because you didn't stick with it. So here's the here's the move. You didn't make a plan. You didn't make a promise. You're like, eh, I should try this. I'm I'm sick of suffering or I'm sick of having this problem. I'll try this new thing instead of saying to yourself and trying this thing means X, Y, Z. So I would recommend for you, because you have Mercury opposite Saturn, you can make a damn list. So I would recommend uh, if you're somebody who's on your phone a lot, get an app. You can get a free app that is like a list writing app. Or if you like pieces of paper stuck on a wall like I do, go do that. But when you come up with a plan, let's say we're talking about quitting dairy, (laughs) you're going to make a decision with three to five points of follow through. And one of those points should probably be for you because this is like a, a issue for you is how long am I doing this for? Yeah. So and, and I'm asking you this literally, like, how long do you actually think it would take for you to see benefits or have evidence that there aren't benefits of not eating dairy? Do you have a number in your head of how long it would take? The first how thing that popped in my head was like 90 days. 
Excellent. I love that. I would say 30 days is a very tight minimum. 90 days is ideal. But you know what? 60 days is right in the middle of that. So let's go 60 to 90 days. Does that feel good? Yeah. Okay. So what you do, if you're writing three to five points, you've got this goal, you're pulling out dairy to see what happens. So the first thing is you're going to maybe say, okay, so I'm going to do this 100% for 60 days if it's working well for me, or if I'm not sure, if I'm like 50-50, or if I cheated a bunch, I'm going to go 90 days. Maybe that would be the move. Because I don't want to encourage you to set a goal that is so big that you're setting yourself up for failure because is 90 days an intimidating amount of time to quit something you enjoy? Yes, it is. Not just you, like anyone. Yeah. So, and you you like cheese or you like dairy, I'm assuming. The only, the main thing with dairy that I, is pizza. I just miss I mean, <laughs> you and me like, both. I like coconut oil. So it's easy to use that instead of butter. I like nut milk, you know, like it's, right. it's really not that hard for me to not eat dairy, really. But pizza. Like, Pizza's yeah. delightful. Pizza's the hardest. The hardest it's it's a real thing. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. So, okay, so hold on. Let me just see this. Okay, this is what I'm seeing. I want to encourage you to follow through with your intuition. You've got 90 days, and I want you to honor that. And also, I'm nervous that that's such a long amount of time that it's enough time for you to be like, ah, God, that's forever. So <laughs> I'm curious about the 60 days. And so with this experiment, if you are willing to take it, I would say try to really notice how you feel when you think about this as a 60-day goal versus a 90-day goal. Or try to really notice at 60 days, like write it in your calendar the day that you begin, 60 days after that, so that you can like be like, okay, am I actually noticing any different? Is is it worse? Have I had 20 pieces of pizza because I told myself I could have zero <laughs> pieces of pizza? To be able to kind of think about it in that way is helpful. So I want to encourage you to notice those two points. The other thing you might say is like, what am I going to give myself as a reward for saying no to the pizzas of the world? Like there's got to be okay. a thing to help yeah. you because you are wired in such a way that you can motivate yourself based on punishment and denial. Right. Yeah. But it's not a great way to go. Like it's effective, but it just means you're unhappy. So if you are giving yourself the gift of not eating something that makes your body miserable and then gives you all kinds of other problems, that's wonderful. But it's also denying yourself something you want that people around you are enjoying. Right. I'm assuming like other people near you are eating pizza. Yes. In those situations, what's the strategy? What's the plan? Like everyone's eating pizza. What do they have at your favorite pizza place that's not pizza? Or what can you do for yourself? Does that make sense what I'm trying to get at here? Yeah, yeah. So again, we're just talking about a couple points. You're going to write them down on a damn piece of paper, on a list, whatever, as a way to create a little bit more structure to the plan so that the next time a pizza is in front of you or a piece of cheese or whatever is in front of you, you have something to refer back to other than like this feeling that you had when you thought about it once. <laughs> okay. That Does makes that sense. make sense? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're basically like backing yourself up. The truth of the matter is trust is built and it's built through actions. What I see for you in your birth chart is that are you likely to be somebody who constantly triple guesses yourself? Fuck yeah. That is your nature and I respect you. <laughs> But does it have to mean that you don't trust yourself? No, not at all. It's really about recognizing that you do have a triple questioning yourself kind of nature. And when you get activated, 
and you feel really intense, it is hard for you to remember what you were thinking when you didn't feel as intense. Having something written down, like a plan that you've created for yourself. And again, I would not recommend something with more than five points because then okay. it'll be overwhelming to you. And yeah. again, simple wins with Saturn placements. Like you always want to keep it like actionable, achievable. Okay. Um, when you do that, what you'll be able to do is either, you know, do the thing you said you were going to do for yourself or not. But then you're making a conscientious decision to win your own trust or not win your own trust, to trust yourself, basically, or not trust yourself. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. Now, I am aware of the irony of this because I'm telling you what to do and you're saying, yes, it makes sense. <laughs> it's just an impossible situation. Well, now that you told me that dairy is bad for me, I'll probably be like, oh, I'm never eating dairy again. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Shit. Damn. There's no way to win. I think I feel it feels kind of validating. I kind of felt like maybe I should stop eating dairy. And now someone who I respect who has this insight and can read my chart can like is like validating that. So it actually makes me feel like more conviction within myself of like, oh, well, I was the one who originally had that feeling of like maybe I should not eat dairy. And so it's it's about it makes me feel good. It's validating. It's interesting because you know, with medical astrology specifically, I see this with everybody. You know, I mean, I I can say to somebody, you know, you should be flossing your teeth, and they're like, oh my god, I should be flossing my teeth. Whereas you knew that, and so you know, to a certain extent, is what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, that happens with an astrologer or a psychic when you hear something, it can work like that. But I'm trying to yes. kind of get at this issue of you trusting you. Do you use tarot cards sometimes? Yeah, mm -hmm. and does that help you to trust yourself? Not really. <laughs> Tell me why. I feel like I'm like, oh, the cards will give me an answer. And like, I give the cards the power. I see. Instead of like, like, oh, well, maybe if I pull this certain card and then I'll feel like there's an answer from that and not from me. Okay. So here's, here's, let me give you like a, a reroute with that. Come to a decision for yourself. Even if you're like, uh, I'm not sure about this, but like come to a decision for yourself and then get grounded and shuffle the cards and ask the cards is the way that I'm holding this consistent with my best interest or is my insight on point or am I clear in what I'm trying to achieve here okay instead of asking it for answers ask it for validation kind of like I gave you when I agreed with you about the dairy okay that's how I use tarot personally is just to validate or interact with my intuition instead of to give me an answer. Okay. That and yeah, it's very, very effective. And I think for somebody who is indecisive, it's nice to have a tool where the cards are like, no, no, you're not seeing things clearly. Then you can be like, oh, fuck, how is this not clear? And then you start thinking about it and you can decide to ignore the cards or not. Right. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it's also really nice when the cards are like, yes. You are an intuitive genius. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll take the job or I won't eat the pizza or whatever it is, right? Yeah. At the center of all of this is how much you don't want to make a mistake. Do you beat yourself up for past mistakes or or what you kind of feel like are mistakes from your past? Yeah, sometimes. I don't, I mean, I think I've gotten better at it. There's definitely times I'm like trying to fall asleep or like, the cringe highlight reel like flashes through your head yeah. and you're like, oh, why? Oh. Yeah, that's perfectly said. The cringe highlight reel is unfortunately it really <laughs> encapsulates a thing. And am I seeing this correctly that you're just really scared of making a wrong choice or fucking up? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm scared of 
getting myself in a situation that I'm not happy with. I know how I want to feel and I don't, and I don't know how to get there. And I'm like scared. I'm going to do something that's like going to make me get further away from where I want to go maybe. Mm. And when you've done that in the past and you've been in a situation that you don't want to be in, or you've ended up in the opposite direction of where you wanted to go. Yeah. What have you done? Gotten really depressed and like victimy and whiny and just like life sucks and everything's stupid and I see. Okay. Okay. That's very important information because what you're saying is when you make a mistake, which is an inevitable part of being a human person, like we all fuck up, we all make mistakes, we all take wrong turns. Yeah. That there's a way that you kind of like collapse in on yourself instead of rally. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever rallied in that situation or when it's that specific situation, do you just not rally? There's like a couple things that come to mind of times where I like felt like I did rally and I was like, all right, enough of this. I'm going to quit this job. I hate it. We'll figure something else out. But then usually and so that'll feel really good momentarily of like, wow, I did that. But then maybe a month goes by and now I don't have a lot of money. And then I'm like, well, that was stupid. I shouldn't have done that. Or like we bought a house a few years ago and I hated it. And I was like, I want to sell our house. I want to move somewhere else. And I felt really strongly like I don't want to be here. I don't want to live here. We got to do it. And so we sold it and moved. But then, you know, a few years later, I was like, damn it, why did we do that? Like the housing market, you know, we should have waited. Like, I don't know. Just like I, I then see. have a lot of regret about the times where I felt, no, I'm going to rally. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make a change. I'm not happy. I'm going to do something about it. I later then kind of regret it almost. So mm. then I, it further makes me not trust myself of like, well, those times you felt so strongly that was going to be good. And now you're kind of like, was it good? I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. And so it makes me I see. question okay. it even more. So there's two things I want to say about that. One is when the next time you're like, I need to leave this job, I need to quit this. I need to sell this house. I need to whatever it is like the next time you're so strongly like, I know this is what I need. Yeah. I want to encourage you to write a list of three to five items. Again, it can be very short. If you feel called to make it longer, fine. But like it can be very short of what you would gain and benefit from acting on this feeling now. I want you to write another list. What would you gain and benefit from acting on this feeling, but like in a couple months or in a couple weeks, depending on the situation, right? One is do it now. The other one is do it, but wait, like plan it out a little more. And then the third is what would I gain or benefit, if anything, from not doing this thing? Because I think what you're scared of is if you really evaluate your choices, that you'll talk yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because you described me as grounded and you're not actually creating a ground for yourself, Mm -hmm. right? You're not, you're not creating steps. Now, the other thing I wanted to note to you, my friend is, and this could just be your examples, but all of your examples were fleeing. They were all fleeing. (laughs) Is that what you tend, when you tend to be really decisive, is it always like leaving? Yeah, I think so. Or like if I get, if we get an argument or like fight or flight, like my, MO is like, get me, get me out of here. I'm, I'm got like, get I'm me bouncing. Out. This I'm is leaving. done. Yep. Like okay. I'm over it. Get me out of here. Okay. So again, this is Pluto, the strong Pluto placement that you have, plus you're a cancer, sun and cancer. So this'll, this'll do it a little bit too, but it's really your Pluto placement inclines you to, when you go into flight or fight to do exactly that, to go into combat with people, but you're not a big fighter. Is that correct? No, no. Mm. So you do the other one. Yeah. Uh, you leave. Mm-hmm. And so that impulse 
is not your most wise impulse. And that doesn't mean it isn't the best choice for you sometimes. It, It often is, or maybe sometimes is. But the activated feelings that were like, we have to get out of this house. I have to get out of this job. So because I could see it energetically in both of those situations Mm -hmm. you were referencing, those activated feelings were, I don't know how to cope. I need this to be done. Instead of, I know clearly that I don't want to be here and where I do want to be. Does that make sense, the difference? Yeah. Does it? Well, I think I struggle with, I have a... (laughs) A feeling sometimes whenever I'm like, okay, I recognize I don't want to be here, right? So then I might knit my ACs like, all right, like shit or get off the pot, you know, like do something about it and like make yep. a change and do it because otherwise you're just going to sit here and whine and be like a whiny, miserable person and that's not helping you either. So which I feel like I've gotten better uh, maybe within the last like year or so about existing in that swirly like ah, I hate this I hate this and not like attaching to it too much and being like okay I'm just gonna like wait till I feel a little more like stabilized before I make any like rash decisions yeah but it's hard it's very hard and it makes sense that it's only in your Saturn return year that you're like oh I'm actually like trusting myself enough to sit with these feelings a little longer yeah the thing that I want to encourage you to be mindful of is that part of you when you get really activated That's like, I have to leave when it isn't paired with, and I know where I want to go. Right. That's when you should be suspicious. Well, sure. It's, it's frustrating because you're using, um, you know, drill sergeant rules here. Should (laughs) have got off the pot, suck it up. Don't be sad. And I, I understand what you're, what you're doing to yourself here. But the problem is, is you're robbing yourself of process. And I think that throughout our conversation, I'm seeing you haven't figured out how to give yourself process to sit with your emotions that are like (laughs) thousands burning. I got to get the fuck out of here or nothing's ever going to change. It's always going to be this way to sit with those emotions so that you can figure out, okay, these are how, this is how I feel. This is how I feel, but what do I need? Because sometimes what our feelings say that they need are just more feelings. Sometimes we have to sit with the situation and the feelings to assess the details. So that might mean like, you know, yes, you need to quit the job. Fuck yes, you need to quit the job, but you need to line something else up first or you need to save, you know, a couple dollars first. So you're going to quit the job on this date uh, and you're going to save your ducats and like take some interviews leading up to it or whatever. Like, so it's not about not giving yourself the thing that you've identified you want or need with passion, but instead it's about doing it in a way that doesn't cost you more than you want to pay. Yeah. I think, I mean, even you saying those steps, I'm like internally like, oh, but that sounds so hard. Like, I feel like I can be fairly impulsive sometimes and I don't, I don't want to like wait. Like, it's like, oh, if I know I hate this and I want out, like, I just want to like do it. I want to rip it off and just do it and not be like, grown up about it, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think grownups can be impulsive. You know, I I think grownups can tear shit down and and build shit up. And that's good. But I do also think the pattern of either doing nothing and kind of like getting stuck Mm. or impulsively jumping into the pool before you check to see if there's water. Mm -hmm. It's like both of those things bring you unwanted consequences. And it becomes this 
ongoing dynamic where you don't trust yourself because you keep on throwing yourself into pools without water. It's really about recognizing you don't have to do what you don't want to do. So if you at the end of the day are like, you know what, that sounds fucking miserable. I'm not going to sit with wanting to quit a job and not quit a job. I'm just going to quit the fucking job. If that's how you feel, then that works. It's about making sure that you're signed up for it. It's understanding that yeah, there's likely to be consequences. And you know what? 50-50. They may be excellent. And it may be like, oh, shit, I wasn't planning for having no money or whatever. Right. It's 50-50. It's a chance. But it's about making the decision that you're willing to take the chance and you're willing to deal with the consequences, making that decision conscientiously. Because I think as I say that, I see this other part of you is like, I actually don't want to make that decision. I actually don't want any consequence. I want to try to create good consequences for myself. So it's like there's different parts of you who have different needs and wants. Try to create a little more space for you to be complicated in and don't (laughs) assume that being complicated is a bad thing or an immature thing. It's a human thing. I think sometimes for you, making a decision and sitting with it and not acting on it will be torture and it's not worth it. And other times it is worth it because you deserve to like make sure you land somewhere soft when you jump. You know, this whole conversation is about like, how can you trust yourself? It's not about like, you know, not trusting other people, but it's about having enough trust in yourself that you don't always have to look outside of yourself for what feels like solid answers. Mm -hmm. And the good news is in your birth chart, I see very clearly that you can do this for yourself. This can happen. (laughs) I mean, your moon is in Aries. You got a lot mm-hmm. of Leo in you. You got a stellium in Leo. Are you ever going to be like, yeah, I'll just sit in my discomfort and like not jump to conclusions? No, no. You're allowed to be fiery. You know, yeah. I think it's about embracing that part of yourself without abandoning the parts of you that want stability and security and want to feel like you're taking good care of yourself. Yeah. What are the questions? I mean, I want to ask you, like, tell me tell me what to do for, like, my career. I'm currently at home with my kids, and I've, I'm really grateful for that. I'm fairly well-suited to stay-at-home mom lifestyle for the most. I mean, I tolerate it better than a lot of other people. Like, they're like, how do you do that? I'm like, oh, I, I like, enjoy lots of parts of it. But I'm also, like, especially lately, and I don't know if it's hormonal postpartum, just, like, feeling kind of, like, stagnant and anxious and bored kind of but also like but I don't know what I want to do differently I don't what were you doing for a living before well I was a pharmacy tech for a while and that was the job I really hated and Mm -hmm. and I simply quit and then I've just been like like random I've like waitressed and worked at coffee shops and I did COVID testing for a bit during the pandemic thank you yeah Um, do you want a career I want to do something that makes me feel excited and that I'm passionate about. And ideally that can make me some money. Mm -hmm. So do you have a feeling of whether you'd rather that be a job or a career? You don't have to have an answer, but I don't, I guess maybe I don't understand the difference. Well, there are people who are like career waitresses and then there are people who are waitresses because it affords them to do other things, you know? So it's, it can be a job or it can be a career. I think that it's about kind of your relationship to it, your commitment to it is to me a little bit the difference. Astrologically, your career is the midheaven. It's the highest point of the chart. 
And then the sixth house is where we find our job. It's the thing we do day to day. Do you want to have a job that takes you away from the home a fair amount, that like takes a lot of attention, but also gives you a lot? Or do you want a job that you can enjoy while you're doing it, but your life isn't the job? The second one. You want a job. Okay, cool. Does that feel weird? Does that feel bad? I see your face. (laughs) (laughs) I think I just have a negative association with like job, like most of the jobs I've had, I've just like, ugh, I have to mm. go and clock in and be there for these hours. And like, it's so rigid. Like, I just, mm. just. But you felt that way about the career you dead. had too. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, listen, listen, you are not the only person who doesn't like their career or their job in yeah. the world. I mean, there's a very big problem for a lot of people. Because are you asking me, what should I do for a living? I guess if is there anything that you see of as far as areas that I might find particularly fulfilling to mm-hmm. like invest my time in, whether it makes me money or not, just like mm-hmm. anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that meaningfully depends on what parts of yourself you want to center. Okay. I do think that for you, your work environment's really important. So if your coworkers aren't people you mesh with, you're just not going to like the job, even if it's your dream job. Has that tracked for you so far? Yes. Yeah. So that's really important. Your coworkers are important. I'm going to say, unfortunately, you're social with work. So it's not like you're somebody who I would say work alone, you know, like you don't have to be around people because even though people are so complicated for you, I do feel when I look at your chart, like you, you do best when you can be in service in some way. So it's with people on some level, to some extent. The jobs that I can think of where I've worked with people, it's been primarily like customer service kind of situations. Right. And I'm not a fan. Fair enough. <laughs> and I would concur with that as well. But what about when you were doing the pharmaceutical work? Wasn't that with people? You were working with other... Yes. I felt often very... We were in this small little room all day with the same people. And I was just like, ugh. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to see you again tomorrow. <laughs> have, have you ever thought about, um, this is a terrible suggestion. Let me just get ahead oh, of God. myself by saying that. <laughs> have you ever thought about teaching? Yes, I have actually. Yeah. Um, and have you chosen not to do it for the obvious reason of like the system in this country is tragic and. Um, no, actually it's more, I just talk myself out of it before I even like take a step down the road into it. Just like, mm. oh, I don't know, be stupid. You be t- you get tired. Like, it's a bad idea. Mm. You wouldn't be good at it. Like, just or I like maybe mention it to someone. Like, oh, I'm thinking about doing this, and then if they have a strong opinion about it, of like, oh, uh, I don't think you'd like that. Then I'm like, yeah, they're probably right. I probably wouldn't like it. Damn, you talk yourself out of it. You edit while you go. You edit while you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. You hit it on the head yeah. when you said that. You hit it when you go. Okay, because. When I look at your chart, now listen, people are leaving the teaching field in droves for reasons that you're probably very aware of. Mm -hmm. And it's a very difficult job and it can be even a dangerous job in America. Mm -hmm. That said, when I look at your chart, I'm like, oh, you do like being of service. I'm not talking about service roles, but like you do like helping and you Mm -hmm. do like engaging. You would like the hours. Um, You would like the structure of the day. I mean, assuming I'm talking about little kids. I'm talking about little kids, by the way. Yeah. I think you would like teaching, but also playing. You would enjoy that part. You 
would be both annoyed by kids touching you all the time and also be totally fine with it. Like you kind of enjoy it both. You would get to be in charge, which you have a sun square to your midheaven. So you do want to be in charge. Um, But you're not always comfortable being in charge. So again, it's kids. It's not adults. There, There we've kind of smoothed over some of that discomfort. When you've mentioned career, I've been like, I mean, school teacher. I keep on seeing school teacher. It's not the only option. I'm not one for being like, this is the job you should have, <laughs> right? Like, that's not really what I do. Yeah. Um, but but what I can say is that I'm naming the components. Like, I do think you like something that's physical, something where you get to move around and you're not mm-hmm. just sitting at a desk. Mm-hmm. I do think, again, people, uh, I do see you like, it could be animals, people, animals, could be either. Are you, do you have like a medical mind? Have you, like, are you interested in medicine in general? Well, sort of, but not, I mean, I worked as a CNA for like a hot day and mm-hmm. I was not into that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of times where I'm like, I wish I wanted to go to nursing school because there's like lots of nursing jobs everywhere and you can make good money doing that. But yeah, I actually wasn't thinking nursing. I was thinking veterinarian. Oh, interesting. Would you do something like that? Is, you have a, is that an interest or something you ever thought about? I've stuff not anything I've ever thought about. It sounds like a lot of school. It is a lot of school. So you go straight to the education. Listen, I like that you go straight to the problem because again, I'm a Capricorn. I really <laughs> respect that you instantly go to the potential problems. But okay, so this is the homework I'm gonna give you. Okay. I'm gonna give you a couple of pieces. The first one is to write a list. You can take weeks, months, you could do it in a day, whatever works. Write a list of what you want your lifestyle to be like. I don't mean your lifestyle at home. I mean your lifestyle at a job. So how you want to feel, you know, how physically active you want to be. Um, Is it out of doors? You live somewhere cold. So probably not all the time out of doors, but maybe you actually do want to be out of doors some of the year, right? Like thinking about, you know, whether or not you want to be in charge or you want a manager. Do you want many managers? Like, you know, think about all that stuff. Just jot it down, bullet point note form. Let that list the things that you do know, don't think about what job that'll be. Don't think about what job that'll be while you're making the list. But then when the list is done, let it kind of guide you towards ideas. You know, let it guide you towards things that are possible for you. Because the truth is, you know, when I look at your chart, do I think like, oh, you should be a veterinarian? That's not what I'm thinking. No, but yeah. it is on the list of what I see could work for you as like a theoretical thing that could work for you. Yeah. Caring for animals having some authority, working with some people, like it kind of your physical, it's something you can grow into. Like there's like a lot of things about it that could work. You could also be a vet tech, which is a lot less education and a lot less responsibility <laughs> for sure. But it's still, yeah. you know, working with animals. You like animals, eh? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, again, Neptune in the sixth house will do it to you. When people come to me and they're like, I know what I want to do with my career. I want to do X. The first thing i tend to ask them about is like, okay, well, what do you want your lifestyle to be? Because people tend to have a fantasy about what a career or a job is that mm-hmm. that is not rooted in what is the day-to-day like. So you see every piece of inf- advice I'm giving you is about creating small lists. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's basically, we could have just cut to the chase and I could have been like, write some lists. I'll see you later. Bye. <laughs> but really, I do think that that's something that will work for you because it's about you tracking your ideas. I think there's a lot of things that you could do that would not require further education, but you actually like education, mm-hmm. no? Mm-hmm. So no, I do. why are we so concerned about education? Is it because of the money and the time? 
Yes. And also I, I just turned 30 and I'm like, I'm too old to go back to school, which I know is not true. Okay. I know, I know objectively I'm still a young, young person, Yes, but I just like feel like I'm not, I know I'm going to look back on me now and be like, you were so young. Why did you think you were old? But I'm just like, Oh, I'm just too old to like do stuff now. Yeah. That's not true. But I'm glad you know, that's not true. It's I'm as young as I'm ever going to be is what I tell myself anytime I feel old. And it's not that I don't know that I'm old because I'm on the hump side of middle aged, but it's that I also understand that you're always as young as you're ever going to be. And Mm -hmm. so the ways that we limit ourselves and we tell ourselves, I'm too old to do X, it's just like it's self-harm. If you didn't like education personally, me fucking hate school. I hate school. So for me, I've always felt too old for school because I just don't want to go. But you like school. You have a Jupiter trying to Uranus and Neptune. You enjoy the process of learning. You enjoy the process of developing new skills. You like school. Mm. So I am really encouraging you to not allow having to go back to school to stop you unless there's a good reason, like it costs too much money or I don't want to. (laughs) Like those are great reasons, for instance. (laughs) But like when you're thinking through ideas of what you would enjoy in your day-to-day life, don't think about all the things you might have to do and how many years it would take you to go through school because then you're not actually figuring out what you want. You're just figuring out what you can't possibly have. Mm -hmm. And that creates this very thing that motivated you to write the fucking problem. The question for you is what do you want? And the only way to figure that out is to stop looking for the answer. Instead of looking for the answer, I would recommend that you figure out what you want not to do, but how you want to live. So I'm looking at you energetically and (laughs) I see that like you're, you're at this like ledge that you spend a fair amount of time on. Please tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. Okay. Where, Where you feel kind of bad, kind of like, okay, I know what I need to do, but then kind of like just it's like the ledge of demoralization. Is that, am I seeing that correctly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's because the emotional energy of what needs to be done, like it feels overwhelming and you go straight to, I can't. Instead of how I would frame it is at this moment, you're feeling emotionally overwhelmed by all the stuff we're talking about and all the stuff that we're, you know, you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. And this has exhausted you in this moment and you need to come back to it with like a fresh heart, fresh head, whatever. Does that make sense? The difference between how you're feeling and what I'm saying? I think so. I'm basically rebranding what you're feeling so that you have more agency because what I'm seeing is happening in this moment. Like at this part of our conversation is overwhelm. I can't, this is going to take too long. Is that correct? (laughs) Yeah. 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 What I'm saying is that's your system's way of Like all those feelings are your system's way of saying, I can't anymore. Like this conversation, okay, I did what I could do in this conversation. At this moment, this is as much as I can process. I need to take care of myself now. Mm -hmm. And instead of you feeling what you're feeling and being like, oh, I've I've tapped out, like I've hit my limit. You're like, what's wrong with me? This is never, this feeling is the indication of what I'm always going to feel. Ah, yeah. So it goes into like a victim-y state instead of a like, oh, this is my limit. And I'm allowed Mm -hmm. to have fucking limits. Mm -hmm. And I want to say to you, you are allowed to have limits. And that's all that these feelings are. It's, I mean, there's sadness in here. There's real sadness in Mm -hmm. here. What, do you know what it is? Or is it just kind of like a go-to feeling? I feel like sometimes, like if I try to meditate, 
I feel like I have a really deep well of sadness and I'm not a hundred percent sure what it's about. Yeah. And I feel like there, it could be partially sadness for how I've treated myself for like most of my life is probably a part of it, but it almost feels like it didn't come from me sometimes. Like it's mm-hmm. like a generational sad, I don't know, yeah. or like a yeah. global sad, like sadness for all the things that are out there to be sad about, but it's like, I mean, I think that's never healthy. Ending. Yeah, yeah, it's never-ending suffering of the people before you and the people around you and the people after you. Sure, that's a yeah. great reason to be sad. But the problem is you're being like a little squirrel about it and you're like shoving the nuts of sadness <laughs> into deeper and deeper into your cheeks and into the pockets of everything that you have around you. It's almost like you're, instead of really letting yourself be like, okay, I'm just feeling a feeling right now. It's almost like you clamp down on those feelings and you hold them tighter. Mm-hmm. Do you know where you're feeling those feelings in your body? Like, can you feel them? Do you know where I, they are? In your I feel body? like it's primarily like my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm seeing it's like your chest and a little higher on your chest. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Can you try to feel it and breathe into it? Try to breathe into it a little bit more, like really like inhale and exhale into that part of your body. Okay. Does it feel any different? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I don't want to tell you what it feels like. I can see it, but I don't want to tell you what it feels like. Cause that's the whole, that's part of the problem is like, I can tell you. And then you'll be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, do you feel the same weight of overwhelm and sadness that you did a minute ago? And it's okay if you do just trying to track it. I think I, yeah, I think it feels the same. Feels the same. Yeah. I'll have you do that again. And this time, just try to hold lightly in your mind the question of, do I need anything here? Like, is there anything that I need? And just see if you hear or feel anything. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the thing that popped into my head was like forgiveness. Okay. Okay, that's great. Yeah. And do you meditate? Did you mention that earlier? Yeah. Okay. And do you do guided meditations? Sometimes, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to prescribe you homework that you prescribed yourself, but I'm going to be the Capricorn of the room. And I'm going to just say, find yourself a guided meditation about forgiveness. And if you like it, listen to it whenever you start to feel this feeling that we're talking about. And again, it doesn't have to be different, but does it feel any different now or does it feel the same? It feels a little bit different now. Yeah. How? A little less I don't know if it's going to make sense, but like a little less like expansive, a little yeah. more like it's got like a shape to it, I guess. It's it's less global. Like you can contain it. You can do something about it now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Like it's definitely still there, but it doesn't feel like it's like washing over me. Right. In right. The same way. Right. That's how you build trust with yourself. It's by sitting with what you actually feel checking in with yourself and then following through. So that third step when we get off the call, the following through is going to be really important. Even if when we get off the call, you feel better and it kind of like goes away, which it might, you know, yeah, it's not gone because this is like you said, it's like this like chronic global thing that you return to. And so I want to just kind of reiterate the only way to trust yourself is to be a good friend to yourself to follow through on your promises to yourself and to and to actually care for yourself. And the answer of like, what should I do for a career? 
I can see how pressing it is for you. Aries, <laughs> moon, Aries, moon. It's really, really pressing. But I also see you're actually not ready to leave the house mm. and have a job yet, correct? Yeah, that's very true. Again, you're motivating out of like scarcity and fear. Mm-hmm. You're, you're like, I have to make sure I fix this problem mm-hmm. instead of I really want to find an answer that feels good. And I don't mm-hmm. know what that is. How can I explore my options? Which is so much more spacious. It's my situation is not an emergency and I am impatient and want this sorted. So when you are in a state of like, I call it activation. It's when you're feeling like really like, ah, I have to figure this out or the world's going to fucking end. It's going to be torture. Yeah. Or you're in the other, the the flip side of that activation, which is like deep Eeyore vibes. Like it, it, everything sucks. It'll always suck. Nothing will mm-hmm. work. Right. In either of those moods, your work is to not seek the answer, but to be a good friend to yourself and take care of yourself around your feelings. Okay. So when you're deep in those emotions, like a good cancer, you need to nurture your feelings. And nurturing Mm -hmm. doesn't mean enabling. It means that those small steps, noticing where you feel it in your body, sitting with it, and then asking yourself, what do I need? And -hmm. sometimes you'll do this and it won't work because Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a practice that you can take on to start developing more trust with yourself. And what that will do over the course of time, and I don't mean days or weeks or months, I mean, like, you know, over the course of years, over time, is that it will take the intensity of both of the extremes of your emotion down a notch or a few notches. Mm -hmm. And then you have a little more, you have a stronger relationship to your agency. There's one more thing I'm supposed to tell you, and it's like, I'm trying to find the right words for it. Bear with me here. Um, Something happens when you hit a level of overwhelm where your thoughts get really scattered. Is that correct? Yeah. What I'm seeing is that that is a sign of overwhelm for you. And instead of honoring it, what you do is you say, oh, God, I'll never figure it out. It just like fuels bad feelings. Mm. But I want to just name it because it's showing up right now is, again, we, we went past your emotional capacity. And I don't mean that as a criticism. There's nothing. We all have an emotional capacity and mm-hmm. reading and readings are intense. And we're talking about your intense shit. So mm-hmm. um, we went, we blew past, we are actively blowing past your capacity. <laughs> and so your thoughts are getting more scattered, right? Yeah. So I want to just validate that. This is what it feels like to stay in an interaction or to stay in a situation past what you can handle really mm-hmm. is your thoughts get scattered and so there's nothing wrong with you it's your system telling you there's no more gas in the tank why are we still driving you uh, know yeah yeah that's what that is and so what that means is you need some form of self-care but i just want to validate there's nothing wrong with this feeling that you're having right now and there's nothing wrong with how your thoughts are scattered it's your system trying to tell you something and if you listen then your system will trust you and then things will start to shift. They'll become more manageable for you, either because your system won't need to be so dramatic to get your attention or because you'll just have more coping tools that are self-appropriate and at the ready. Hmm. You get what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Great. Did did we hit the major stuff? Do you have any final question for me? No, I feel like we hit the major. It still feels good. There's definitely a part of me that's like, I want to walk away from this with just like the black and white, yep. do this, you'll feel this. Yep. And like, I knew going into it that I was going to want that. And I also knew going into it that that wasn't going to happen and nor should it have happened. Like it wasn't going to be good for me. 
for that to happen. It's true. Sorry, slash you're welcome, slash sorry. Yes. No, I think I ultimately, (laughs) I don't want to stay in this place that I'm in. And you doing that is only going to keep me in the place that I'm in. Right. 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 I'm, I'm very grateful. It is my pleasure. And I, I just really, again, I want to just reiterate, be really patient with yourself with this process because it's a many years process. It's not like a many weeks process. Okay. Unlike dairy, which I think, <laughs> give it a couple months. You'll be fine. You'll figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, well, Julie, thank you so much. Yes. For... Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. Oh, my God. It is my pleasure. Okay, so this is episode 294, and I just want to say we, and by we, I mean me and my partner, have released 294 episodes over the course of 231 weeks, and I'm very excited about that. We haven't missed a single week, regardless of what has happened in our lives or in the world, and that is something that I feel really proud of. I like to be consistent because it's, I don't know, it's kind of my love language. And I will say that creating this podcast is such a joy to me. Uh, And it's also a joy to my partner. We are a very small team who creates this podcast. It is just the two of us. I hope that you get a lot of value and information from the content that I share here, because it's, you know, it's like the result of my life's work. Anyways, all of this to say, I am turning 48, which is confusing because I've been telling myself and everyone else that I'm 48 for about nine months now because I like to round up every birthday. So I'm turning 48. It feels like again, but it is technically for the first time. I'm turning 48 on January 11th. And in honor of my birthday this year, I'm doing something so uncharacteristic of me. I'm taking a little break. That's what's happening. So I'm still going to give you your horoscope next week for episode 295. So don't you worry. You're still going to get information about what's happening in the stars. But in next week's episode, I'm not going to be giving a reading to anyone in person or otherwise. So I'm only making this change for a week and I'm doing it as a little, you know, take a load off, Jessica, kind of gift to myself. And BT Dubs, if you were in the market of, you know, wanting to give an astrologer a birthday wish, please hit the subscribe or follow button wherever you listen to this podcast. Give the podcast a five-star rating or whatever, 20-star rating, whatever you could do, your little max. Write a kind review. If you've gotten value from my work, then, you know, that would be a, that would be a much appreciated gift. You can also join me over on Patreon if, you know, getting exclusive contents of all manner of woo and astrology would brighten up your life. It would certainly brighten up my life to have you join me there. Birthdays, are they weird? Are they cool? I don't know what the kids think these days. Uh, But I do know that growing older is a fucking privilege. And there's so much pressure to stay young, to act young, to look young. And I'm not going to pretend like I don't bow to that pressure. Of course I do. What with me being a human person and all. But I will also say, as I am days away from 48, man, 48 is easier than 38 was. And holy shit, 38 was easier than 28 was. And don't get me started on 18. In other words, life can get easier 
even as problems never go away, right? Like the complications of life don't disappear. But if you're doing the work along the way, then your capacity to cope gets bigger, stronger, and more flexible, more resilient. And that is worth its weight in gold. Anyways, all to say, episode 295, just your horoscope. Episode 296, we're back to regular programming. So feel free to send in your questions if you want a reading with me here on the podcast over at ghostofapodcast.com. Okay, enough blah, blah, blah. Let's get astrological. This week, we are looking at January 8th through the 14th of 2023. The first exact transit that we have this week is on the 8th, and it's a Mercury trine to Uranus. So we very recently went through a Mercury trine to Uranus that hopefully sounds pretty familiar to you because we are now in a Mercury retrograde, which means what we're doing is we are uh, retracing our steps, right, through the stars. The last time we experienced this transit was on December 17th. So it was pretty recently, uh, less than a month ago. And you may want to pay attention or do a little like flip back through your dear diary to see what was going on for you on and around the 12th, because those themes may be reiterated. We may see a repeat of whatever it was that was going on for you. So not a literal repeat, but a repeat of the themes that were happening within you or in your life. All to say, Mercury trine Uranus is a lovely transit. What it does is it sparks curiosity. It sparks our openness to new possibilities, to new ways of doing things, new perspectives. You know, whenever I think about the the idea of a new perspective, I I think like I guess like a Capricorn, and I think about how when you're climbing a hill you know, uh, and all you can see is what's in front of you and what's behind you. You can see a little bit to the side on either side, you know, you're looking forward, you're looking back. But when we enter into Uranus transits, and in particular, easy, uh, supportive Uranus transits, like a sextile or a trine, what happens is it's like you turn a corner. So you reached a new plateau, of a new height, but you've also turned a corner. So you're able to see a huge amount behind you, in front of you, to either side of you that just wasn't accessible to your viewfinder before. And that is kind of how it feels with a Mercury trine to Uranus. You just have access to perceptions, insights, perspective that you didn't before. And if you activate from that place and you use those insights, it can be really stimulating to your life and it can bring about really dynamic circumstances or dynamic outcomes. But, you know, you need to engage. That's an important part of the whole story is you need to engage. So definitely pay attention to insights that you've got or opportunities that come your way. And when I say opportunities, sure, it could be like someone offers you a job. But it's just as likely to be something small, you know, like a friend inviting you to go eat someplace you haven't eaten before or a coworker uh, reaching out to you in some small way that is just like, you know, be easy to ignore. But it would also be easy to be open and to explore like, oh, is this just a new ally? Is this someone I can learn from? Yada, yada. So just be open if you can, this Mercury trine to Uranus. Now, if you're like a studier, you know, you're a teacher, you're a student, you're somebody who's a learner, this is a particularly fabulous transit for 
again, just being open to new information and integrating that information. So, you know, if you've been putting off trying to read something, study something, practice something, this is a great date to get going with that because you're more likely to have kind of exciting and unexpected results. And the unexpected and exciting may stress some people out, but I promise this is not a stressful transit. It is just lovely. And that brings us to January 9th with another absolutely lovely transit. This one is a Venus trying to Mars. Now we want to keep in mind that Mercury is retrograde. Mars is retrograde. And I hope you've been noticing since Mercury went retrograde on the 29th of December, you know, we were feeling it as the shadow got deeper and deeper as we approached that retrograde. But I imagine that you've noticed since December 29th, that having this like double retrograde situation, Mercury and Mars has been messy, just a lot messier as communication plans and ideas, as well as uh, our ability to assert and our ego drives, our ambitions are all in this retrograde cycle of not being satiated. There's a lot more room for messiness, misunderstandings, things that provoke insecurity or situations that are ultimately kind of demoralizing right? So it's almost over. In fact, the Mars retrogrades over this week, we'll get there in a moment. But it's important to pay attention to this kind of stuff, because these transits occur for a broader reason. And that reason is so that we reflect and we reassess what we're doing, how we're doing it. So don't hesitate to let these actually quite lovely and easy transits to inspire the kind of introspection that you need to make subtle adjustments, change course in a big way, whatever, whatever, you know? I mean, sometimes just the act of reflecting and truly asking yourself questions about what you're doing and why is enough to spark change. And that doesn't mean you're going to come to some sort of new answer. But the act of asking the questions and being honestly curious, that can be transformational on its own, even if nothing technically changes or needs to change, you know? So don't be scared to ask questions. Okay, okay, back to the transit. On the 9th, Venus forms a trine to Mars. While not spectacular, the effects of this transit are absolutely lovely because what it does is it not only increases our willingness and desire to connect with others, but also our ability to do so gracefully, effectively, you know, that kind of thing. And that's because Venus is diplomacy, it's sensuality, it's social connection. And Mars makes shit happen. Mars is sexuality. It is chemistry. It's making shit happen. And so when we have these two planets of social and romantic and sexual connection coming together easily like they are here, what we have is the ability to, you know, make shit happen and have that shit be delightful. Is this a great transit for first dates? You better believe it. Is it a great transit for 700th dates? Yes, it is. Uh, Will it on its own bring you love and romance? Absolutely not. Not unless it is hitting your birth chart very specifically. And I will say Venus is at eight degrees of Aquarius. Mars is at eight degrees of Gemini. So you would have to have something at around eight degrees of a zodiac sign that would be stimulated by either Aquarius or Gemini. 
This transit can be really dynamic and lovely if it's hitting your chart specifically. And if it's not, it can just be uh, a breath of fresh air, a little bit of ease, a flirty interaction at your favorite cafe, you know, that kind of fun shit. So if you're looking for social connection, make sure to leave your house on the 9th, right? And not just the 9th, it's around the 9th. But of course, of course, all blessings come with qualifications. And this blessing of both Mercury trying to Uranus and Venus trying to Mars comes with the kick in the cooch of Mercury retrograde forming a square to Chiron. And that will be happening exact on the 11th of January. So let me tell you what this transit is about because it's, it's a little bit of a pain. As we know, Mercury is your mind, it's your attitudes, it's your thoughts, it's your beliefs. And Chiron is related to core wounding. And so this transit straight out the gate can bring up mental suffering. And it doesn't create mental suffering out of nothing. What it does is it stimulates our beliefs, our attitudes, and the conscious and unconscious ways we actively participate in them. And it stimulates them to such a point where we are often in suffering. We are in struggle. A meaningful component of Chiron and Chironic healing is around our sense of safety, and willingness to be here, be here in your meat suit, be here in, as a soul, be here, uh, you know, as a partner, whatever, however it is that it plays out for you as an individual. But there's something really core about choosing life or how, how we engage with being alive when it comes to Chiron. And so having a Mercury retrograde squared to Chiron is really going to stimulate our narratives around that. And the cool thing about that is when something is lit up, you can see it plainly and engage with it more consciously. That's the cool thing. And so this Mercury square to Chiron, I want to encourage you to really notice your self-defeating narratives, your uh, negative self-talk, the tone of what you say and how you say it to others, to yourself how you may shut down and stop listening when you feel challenged or go the other direction and try to invalidate or ignore your own instincts and replace it with other people's ideas, beliefs, attitudes, right? So this is a, this is a challenging transit. <laughs> I, won't, I won't act like it's not. And in light of, you know, these lovely socializing transits that we've had at the start of the week, you know, it could mean that you have this like lovely interaction with someone, you know, someone in your life, someone new, whatever. And then Mercury square Chiron kicks into effect and you start questioning yourself. You start judging yourself. You start assuming the worst because X happened in the past. It's for sure happening in the present or it'll happen in the future. You know, that kind of negative self-talk that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you find yourself mentally fixated, right, Mercury, on suffering, on pain, on failures perceived or real, during this transit, I want to encourage you to take a moment to become aware that that's what you're doing. And if you can, engage in critical thinking. And what is critical thinking? It is thinking about thinking while thinking. Eh? Eh. Okay. Not easy for all people and way too easy for others, right? Depends on our nature. But 
It's being mindful of where your thoughts are going and conscientiously engaging with your own thinking so as to not unintentionally or intentionally create the very circumstances, internal or external, that you are trying to evade and avoid. Not easy, but it's also not that complicated. It is very hard to find the mental and emotional wherewithal to do that because when we are engaged in suffering, and in particular, the kind of suffering that will happen with Chiron and Pluto, uh, in particular, sometimes Saturn, where it's like the suffering that we are identified with since early developmental experiences. So it just feels like irretractable reality. It feels like we are locked into it. When we're engaged in that kind of suffering, it is easy to believe or to tell ourselves or others that it's impossible for things to change. It is never going to change, but it can change. Most things can change, not quickly, not easily, not always where, where and how we want them to change, but they can change. And with this Mercury retrograde square to Chiron, the invitation is to be willing to change our thinking, our approach, our plans, how we listen, how, what we say to ourselves or others. Again, this is a, an internal shift because it's a Mercury retrograde. So pay attention to your own beliefs, attitudes, your own thinking, your own words, your own tone, how you listen, right? And how those things participate in and maybe co-create part of your own suffering. Easier said than done easier said than done. But that's the opportunity and the challenge of this particular transit. Now, luckily, on the 12th, we have an exact sextile to Chiron from Venus. And this is right on time, because that Venus sextile to Chiron can empower us to be diplomatic, to be generous, to be kind to ourselves around that exact wounding. So it softens the blow of that Mercury retrograde square to Chiron. And it it doesn't soften the blow by distracting us or uh, pointing us away from our suffering, our struggles, our beliefs, yada, yada. What it does is it empowers us to be more caring to ourselves, to, to others, to be more loving to ourselves and others. And so you want to tap into that Venus in Aquarius energy where you are open to loving yourself in new ways, where you're open to centering in your values, Venus, healing, or a new narrative, or whatever is needed, right, to get to more stable grounds. Because again, Venus is associated with stability and security. And so it's important to note that when we generate stability and security on half-truths or straight-up lies, whether those lies are self-fulfilling prophecies, you know, pain-induced beliefs, whatever it is, when we create stability and security on things that are not true or real, it's like sandcastles in the sand. It's a matter of when and how, not if, they will crumble, right? So to create true stability and security, we need authenticity. We need the truth. That's the way, right? So luckily, this Venus sextile to Chiron will empower us to do that. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything right. You don't have to do anything wrong. You don't have to do anything. But to all the things we do and all the things we opt out of and we don't do, there are consequences. Some consequences are de-fucking-lightful and some consequences are tragedy, 
right? And there's everything in between. But there are consequences to our choices. So you don't have to do anything. But it's so imperative that you remember your agency, that you have choice. You might not have ideal choices, but you have choice. So what will you choose? And make sure as you think this through, as you evaluate this, as you play it out, that you pay attention to those chironic themes, those old beliefs that you may hold about what's inevitable, but that's netted in pain or suffering. So I have another thing to tell you about. Mars goes direct on the 12th of January. I am so happy about that. Now, Mars will stay in its shadow for quite some time, but it is direct. So things are likely to get a lot easier. We only have about another week, not even a full week of Mercury retrograde. So that means that we are almost out of this retrograde season. And as Mars goes direct, you have the opportunity to identify and cope with whatever themes have been at play during the Mars retrograde. And I'll remind you that this has been going on since October 30th of 2022. So whatever it is that has been going on for you in this season, October 30th through January 12th, 2023, it's time to reflect on it, you know. And if you're like, okay, I've learned X and I want to change Y because of it, this is a good time to giddy up and go, right? You can make shit happen. When Mars is unlocked from that retrograde, the energy shifts from inward to external again. And Mars loves to take off. Mars governs cars and driving, right? So you may feel your energy come back. You may feel that situations and dynamics in your life uh, have a little more flow to them, a little bit more zhuzh to them. And I want to say, where there is zhuzh, there is joy. So tap in to the zhuzh that you find, should you find zhuzh. Okay, we've got a couple more transits to talk about this week. The next one is a sun sextile to Neptune. This is a lovely transit. This transit empowers us to have more empathy for ourselves, for others. It is a great time to tap into your own intuition, uh, your own instincts, to do spiritual work, to step into nature if you can, to find music that just stirs something in you. All of this is really good Neptunian behaviors that fortify the sun, aka your identity, your sense of self, your will, your vital energies, right? This transit can be really good for heightening your spiritual senses, your creative senses, your appreciation for nature, your connection to uh, that which is not mundane or you know, that which is more spiritual and otherworldly. This transit can also increase your empathy for others, again, your generosity, your ability and willingness to perceive things from other people's perspectives and care, you know, give a fuck, not just in theory, but in action. So again, a lovely transit that you really want to tap into. My sense because of the transits kind of sandwiching this guy this sun sextile to Neptune, that it's more than anything going to feel like a little bit of spaciousness, a little bit of, you know, like a breath of fresh air. But you can make the most of this transit by doing any of those things I mentioned. They will help a lot, especially if you've been having a hard time. Okay. And that brings us to the final transit of this week. And that is a Venus square to Uranus. Now, 
I love this transit. This is one of those transits that most people don't like that I fucking love. And I'll say it every damn time. Okay. Venus square to Uranus is hard because Venus wants security and stability and Uranus wants freedom. It wants surprises. It wants individuality. It doesn't want to be fettered in relationship. Whereas Venus loves to be in relationship. It loves to be a we instead of a me. Uranus is all about the me. So when these two planets form a hard aspect, it is a difficult time for feeling stable and secure in a relationship. It can be a transit that challenges your value system, challenges your sense of self, especially if you identify your value and yourself in general through your relationships with others or through how other people perceive you beauty-wise. The reason why I love this transit is because it's exciting. It brings about uh, new vibes, new energies. It can bring about new relationships, new flirtations. Uh, It can inspire you creatively so that you, again, you see things from a different perspective, as I was talking about with Uranus earlier. And that can be so dynamic and exciting. The key is to not be attached to not be attached to how you think your relationship should be, how you think other people should behave, how you should feel, to not be attached to your creative process moving in a particular direction. I think this is a great time for artists because regardless of your medium, there's more likely to be energy for something new to emerge. Unfortunately, this can be really challenging for a lot of people. And it can be a challenging transit in general, but it's also kind of exciting. Uranus tends to bring about excitement, which again, can be a problem or it can be really thrilling. This is generally speaking, a great time for experimentation, for being playful and trying new things. That's certainly related to your sex and love life. So if you can get in there and uh, get some strange, I say, get some strange. But it's not exclusive to that. It might be a day that you decide to just dress really differently or wear your hair, your face, whatever. you doing something aesthetically really different. This can be a time where you look at your apartment and you're like, ah, I see where I can move the couch in this room and it'll actually work. And then it just like sparks all this creative shifts for you. You know, it's very fun. It can be very fun. So if you're willing to have fun, and to change shit up, this is this is the transit for you. The kind of like closing words of warning I'll give you about this transit is one, it's not a great time for making major purchases, in particular spontaneous purchases. Because, you know, Venus is related to our finances and Uranus is, you know, all this unexpected, spontaneous energy. And so our aesthetic, our perception of our needs during this transit may not be stable. And so it's just a better time to, uh, you know, hold off on those uh, impulse buys. Just wait 72 hours is my advice. And the other thing is don't process if you're in a relationship, if you're trying to make things stable, if you're like, are we going to commit? You know, when are you going to move in? Don't have that conversation on and around the 14th. Don't do it. It's not going to be well starred. This is not a time for securing things. It's a time for exploring. So if you are feeling like you want to get validation from other people, uh, don't go about it in your habitual way. It's not going to go great if you do. 
So it's not like there's something wrong with going about it in your habitual way. It's just this is not the transit for doing that. This is the transit for changing up your approach to how you engage in your relationships, uh, in your relationship to how you look, in relationship to hooking up. You know, we want to change it up now and again. And Uranus is your buddy for making that happen. So do your best to be creative. And if you don't have the energy to be creative, if you don't know what the hell that means, then just don't try to make things stable. That at least will help you. Okay. So my loves, I'm going to run through the transits of this week again. On the 8th, we have an exact Mercury trine to Uranus. On the 9th, we have an exact Venus trine to Mars. On January 11th, we have a Mercury square to Chiron. On the 12th of January, Venus forms an exact sextile to Chiron and Mars goes direct and the people rejoice. On the 13th, we have a sun sextile to Neptune and Venus forms an exact square to Uranus on the 14th. And that, my friends, is your horoscope. Thanks for listening to Ghost of a Podcast this week and every week. And I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here.